Hello, you're listening to The Evolving Leader. I'm Scott Allender, along with my co-host, John Gomes. So, John, here we are, the last episode of Season 1 already. How are you feeling? Paradoxically content, actually. What do you mean by that? Well, it's been a, a really... Who can say? But I mean, you know, when we look back at this, this year will be such a mix of things. But actually, at mm. the end of it, I'm netting out in a really good way. Yeah. I'm feeling mixed. I, I'm, I'm glad we're going to be taking a quick break before launching season two in, in mid-January. But I'm having so much fun doing this. I'm going to miss talking with you and interviewing our brilliant guests until then. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. We've had some amazing conversations and some wonderful guests. I've learned some really unexpected things, and I'm so grateful to all of them. Um, but instead of having a guest today, we're wrapping season one in the same way that we started it, just you and I. And the first question we ever asked one another on the show was, why are we doing The Evolving Leader? And I still don't know the answer to that question. Actually, that's far from true. I, the question actually remains a bit of a North Star for me. It keeps me really grounded in our purpose. And I thought on this last episode of the season, I'd like to frame up a different question for us. Um, in a year that seems like everyone is quite enthusiastic about leaving behind, and for good reason, I want to talk about what we should take with us. So my question is, what lessons from 2020 are important for us to take with us into the future? Well, I think one in particular is that we ha we have been on an emotional roller coaster, and nobody could deny that. And we've all been this in this together. So I feel that more people have accepted, explored um, their emotions than probably any other time in their lives. Mm. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, particularly the, the the people who don't give themselves the permission to do this, you know. Um, and what I found particularly interesting in the last year is on this show and around. Uh, the show in terms of preparing for it is thinking about people who are looking at emotions differently um, because what what we've learned in those conversations is a complete rethinking of emotions um, and what they can shed light on in terms of the disruption that, that, that we're experiencing and how we can make better sense of that. And given all of that, how emotions can help us build our mindset and, and create an, a, a mindset both of greater self-awareness, what we call radical self-awareness, and more accountability in the face of that uncertainty. So that, that for me has been, you know, the thing I will take forward into next year in a major way. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Is, I was also thinking about disruption. I'd love to get, you know, you and I have had several conversations over the years about disruption, about, you know, disrupt or be, dis, you know, be the disruptor or be disrupted and, and the mindset that's required for that. And nobody saw this kind of disruption happening. I agree with you 100% on everything you said about the, um, what we learned about emotions and about radical self-awareness and the opportunity that the years provided. Do you have any thoughts specifically about lessons learned about unexpected disruption? Well, I think there's a, there's a reality check. You know, Somebody I work very closely with, Anami Ress, who has been on the show, said that you know, we have to we have to come to terms with that there is no new normal that we're going to step into. There's just new, and that's probably always been true. There's always been this disruption that, that people have experienced in their lives, and there's been periods of stability and and so on. And we look back as we we talked about in a previous show about you know we, we recast the past as stable, 
when it really wasn't. So if these cycles, if the disruptions that are being created by climate change, by political change, by technological change, by market change, are just going to keep on swirling around, then I think we're going to have to all accept um, what we have the power to control and what we don't um, and, and start mm. letting go of this idea that we're going to find some new normal uh, that's mm. just new and ha- embrace that. And I, I think that could lead us to a more abundant mindset. You know, I was mm-hmm. listening to somebody the other day talking about the minute we start thinking about populating Mars, for example, or any other part of the planet, you know, we become an interplanetary species and we start, you know, we start letting go of some of the battles that we're, we're competing here on this territory. You know, how does that change our mindset when, you know, in the next 20 years, Elon Musk and others, you know, lead the charge out of this planet? Uh, what, what, what kind of things are we going to be worrying about then? So, for me, I, I don't think about disruption anymore. I just think about the new. Mm. Something I'm going to take with me into 2021, and I hope um, others will too, is, you know, we've talked about the importance of leadership vulnerability um, in the sense that it helps to create environments of trust and honesty and, and those teams work and collaborate better together as a result. Um, and I think 2020 has, has normalized vulnerability a little bit more um obviously none of us has a picture about what the future looks like like you said there's no it's not about disruption it's about new and the new just keeps coming um and when this makes us feel vulnerable we should get honest about it and as we talked about in our nine types of fear episode leadership vulnerability is a form of radical transparency that creates cultures of trust and psychological safety in fact, you and I feel so strongly about this that we started the Vulnerable Leader interview as a fun segment with many of our guests with this very thing in mind. And it was a lot of fun listening to the answers. Um, and we, we haven't released any of them before, and I thought this would be a good time to do that. So why don't we have a listen now to a few of them? Let's start by listening back to Dr. Barrett, who destroyed everything I thought I knew about emotions. Uh, we'll listen to Chris Hurst from our No Bullshit Leadership episode and Talia Grantham, who may be the most impressive young leader I've ever spoken to. Okay, so let's do this. Um, Lisa, um, what was the biggest lie you've ever told at work? This one. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a really good, that's like pleading the fifth. Okay, where do you feel most vulnerable at work? Oh, well, um, I suppose uh, my, you know, I used to be able to remember, I was trained as a therapist, you know, and I used to be able to remember almost verbatim entire conversations um, or entire paragraphs of things I've read. And uh, now I'm lucky if I remember where I read something like, I mean, you know, I just, I'm, uh, I'm 56 years old, so my my neurons aren't necessarily as nimble as they used to be. And I do sometimes feel um, frustrated by that. It feels like a vulnerability to me. My husband's delighted that I can no longer remember, you know, whole conversations verbatim, I'll just say, (laughs) but um, I, I, uh, but it does feel like a vulnerability, I I would say. Um, And to be really completely honest, being a woman is sometimes a vulnerability. Um, You know, that's a whole conversation in and of itself. Yeah. No. Well, you brought out a couple of things in your book about that, including the colleague who threatened to punch you in the face. That's uh, actually true. Experience. I mean, it's that's true. Yeah. It's a true. That's a true story. Um, nobody. You don't make friends 
um, when you try to challenge um, a, a reigning paradigm in science, particularly if you are a petite woman. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> not, it's not what, it's not a recipe for, you know, uh, a Nobel Prize, let's just say. So what's the personal development topic that you most avoid discussing or thinking about? Well, my husband would say that it's that I have what he calls aspirational, um, what does he call it? He calls it aspirational recycling, which is that I, I sort of cultivate an ignorance of all things related to um, like recycling. And you know, I want everything to be able to be recycled and I don't want to have to face the consequences that of, you know, and I'm not really good at, um, like, I don't know how to work my vacuum cleaner. And I, I, I kind of, I, I have a cultivated ignorance of all things related to cleaning. I, I love to cook, but don't ask me to clean up the kitchen afterwards. Cause like, I'm just not, I, I don't want to, I don't want to learn newfangled things about, I want someone else to like him to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Who, who's going to play the, um, uh, you in the movie of your life? You know, Sometimes people ask me that question and what I want, you know, I mean, um, you know, what I want to say is like, um, I don't know, aspirationally, like Angelina Jolie, obviously, or someone, you know, <laughs> um, but um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Who do you think would, should play me in my life? Ah, I'm trying to think the actress in the piano. What was her name? Um, oh, her Holly, name? Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. Yeah, yeah that, that could work. That could work. Think, yeah. Actually, you know who I wish I was actually, you know, in black, you know, in black Panther, you know, the, I don't remember the character's name, but you know, the, the general, you know, the, um, yeah. the, she is. Oh yes. Yes. Bad yes. ass. Right. I want, I want to be her actually. I want to be, I want to be her with all that like power. And every time I watch that movie, I'm like, she's, you can have to get down the gym a lot. I think. I know. <laughs> I do. I, I actually have a gym in my house. Um, cause I, I, you know, lift weights every day. That's like, that's like five hours a day. I think. I know. No, no. I'm she's, I'm just yeah. saying that, you know, that's probably an easier question for me to answer. Right. So, so have you ever stolen anything from the office? Um, file folders. Okay. okay. Yeah. I hope they're not listening. Are you paid too much? <laughs> Compared to who? Compared to a CEO? No, no, compared to anybody. I think teachers and educators are not paid enough. I think anybody who's in this, who is actually in a service field should be paid much, much more. And I think CEOs could be paid slightly less and no one would actually be harmed by this. I mean, I am, I'm not, I'm not trying to take down capitalism, but I do, <laughs> I mean, you know, and I do believe in meritocracy, uh, you know, wishing that everyone started off on equal footing. But um, no, I don't think I'm paid uh, too much, but I think many, many people are not paid enough. All right, here we go, Chris. What's the biggest lie you told at work? Keep going, you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> I believed you there. I almost thought <laughs> I thought you were actually going off off the question. All right. So, where do you feel most vulnerable at work when someone asks you to tell them about yourself? Yeah, well, apart, no, from, no, having to, apart from having to talk about myself, which, which I genuinely do, I feel really vulnerable. I, I I really feel vulnerable in any kind of networking situation. I'm just really, really feel completely like a fish out of water. I am absolutely 
terrible at them. And to the extent that I now just <laughs> I take the coward's way out and just avoid them, which probably isn't a good idea. But uh, yeah, I'm networking. What's the personal development topic you most avoid confronting? I'm te- I'm terrible at get- at receiving stru- formal feedback. I absolutely hate it. I'm, I'm fine with somebody sitting down and saying, you know what, you shouldn't have done that or that's not great or don't do this. Or, I'm, I'm actually quite, I'm, I'm pretty good. And, and uh, in fact, quite like situations like that. But being sat down and being read a list of all the things that I'm terrible at and need to improve, I just want to crawl under the table. Uh, it just is awful. Who would play you in the movie of your life? Uh, I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> She'd make me a lot sexier and a lot cooler than I really am. What would your wife or children say is your least appealing feature? Uh, I think they probably say um, that I'm quite selfish, I think, <laughs> in a wincing sort of way. <laughs> I'm quite, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at... Knowing the things that finding time to do the things that I want to do, which I think is at the end of the day quite selfish. And building on that, where are you most lazy in your life? I don't Going really, to networking I don't events. Say that again. Going to networking events. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I I'm extremely lazy at going to network events. Um. Um. I mean, I probably am a, a, a bit. You know. You know, I maybe I wrote a book that that knocks the leadership industrial complex because I don't like having to engage in um, with the leadership industrial complex. You know, I, I don't I don't particularly enjoy the 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 kind of formal learning about leadership and business milieu, if you like. I actually really. I'm quite an academic person. I love learning. I'm a kind of a quite a vor- voracious learner. Um, but sometimes people ask me, when, what was the last business book I read? And I can't think of one. Um, so maybe I should do more of that. What's the last question that really stopped you in your tracks? Uh, well, that one did, didn't it? Number six. probably that one all right so what what, when was the last time you actually gave a bit of bullshit about leadership um i i don't know i i i obviously get asked about sort of variations of that question and i think the thing with i think the thing with bullshitting is i don't think you can self-assess whether or not you are a bullshitter i think being i think Mm -hmm. I think only others can decide whether or not you are a bullshitter. Uh, and so I think somebody else has to answer that question rather than me. Has anybody given you a review about the book that said that it is? Uh, well, the, the place to not go is to go to Goodreads. I mean, if you go to goodreads.com, I mean, the vitriol uh, that uh, you know, I actually, at one point in the book, there's a relatively small piece in the book where I, reference this i reference jack welsh uh, there's just a, a model of his that i reference uh, for those that don't know the former ceo of ge a very iconic figure in the us and and i did a blinkist thing and somebody had listened to the blinkist thing where i referenced jack welsh and and the only thing they wrote they 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 this this review said i haven't read the book it was basically there's lots of very very rude words about me that i'm not going to repeat i haven't read the book but anybody that references jack welsh is a complete 
you know, XXX exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And there you go. So, mm. yeah. Okay, move on. Are you paid too much? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> All right, Tally, here we go. So what is the biggest lie you ever told at work? At work? Oh, God. One day that I, that I said that I was sick and I wasn't, that's the biggest That's the biggest lie. I try not to lie at work because I can't keep up with them. <laughs> <laughs> so where, where do you feel most vulnerable at work? I definitely say down days, you know, linking back to sort of the idea of what success is. Down days where you're not feeling yourself and you're feeling like you're going to drop the ball every 10 seconds. Luckily, I work with some incredible people that that keep me supported even on on those days, but definitely feel vulnerable in terms of my identity being questioned when I'm dropping the ball every 10 seconds. What's the personal development topic you most avoid confronting? Um, I definitely say my assertiveness. I'm a chronic people pleaser. And I refuse to acknowledge the fact that I need to change that. Um, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm starting to make some stronger decisions in my life in terms of what I'm going to have for dinner and stick to it. But, you know, in life, that is something I need to work on, but I'm running away from it right now. <laughs> Who would play you in the movie of your life? No actress comes to mind. However, I would definitely make them a funny, a comedic actress, because then I could say that, I've been funny once in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, if we have to push you, come on. My, do you know what? Unlike Sky, I haven't watched the end of Netflix. So (laughs) (laughs) I I can't even think of any actresses that exist. That's terrible. Maybe I need more of a social life. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll suggest somebody. We'll put a picture of somebody on the uh, thing and we'll say, you know, as played by... Um, and we'll, you know, so your 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 destiny's in our hands there. Um, what would your partner or your family say is your least appealing um, feature? Um, I definitely say the fact that I am a high functioning mess addict. <laughs> I love mess. Uh, my brain works at its optimal <laughs> level when I'm surrounded by mess, and that sounds so counterintuitive. If I read articles on how to be productive, they would tell me that there's something wrong with me. But I just thrive if I'm in a messy environment. Um, but I definitely say that people that I live with or share any spaces with would not agree that that's a good feature. Okay. Then you would love this, the state of my home office, by the way. So if you're ever in the States, <laughs> you can come work here. Excellent. <laughs> so where are you most lazy in your life? I think this is allied to the last question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, clearing up. <laughs> You know, right now I'd say in my personal goals, it's a, it's, it's a bit interesting, but at the minute I'm completely lazy uh, with my personal goals. I'm fully focused on business goals and also, you know, other things going on that I kind of took a step back from what I really want personally. And that's something that I'm trying to jump back on the horse on in terms of making a priority now. Have you ever stolen paper from the office? <laughs> well, we're a fully digital company, so. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got, that question is so uh out of kilter with you isn't it no i definitely uh (laughs) used a google document on my work email for personal purposes so we'll give that as a proxy yes (laughs) (laughs) we won't mention those servers that you took and put in no okay so uh, are you paid too much 
Um, well, I work in a startup, so that's a pretty easy answer of no. Yeah, they were so fun to do, weren't they? So I've been so appreciative of how every single person we've asked, with almost no notice, has been completely up for it without any hesitation. So should we listen to three more? Yeah. So let's listen back to Andy Billings from Electronic Arts, our polymath Ashley Bradford, and from a forthcoming show next year, Sally Bolton, who is the CEO of the All England Lawn Tennis Club, better known as Wimbledon. Okay, here we go then. What was the biggest lie you've told? I can get this done on time. Don't worry, <laughs> I've got it completely covered. Okay, so where do you feel most vulnerable at work? When you want me to compromise on my quality in order to hit, hit a time frame. What was the least appropriate outfit you've ever worn to work? Oh my goodness. Um, I once wore a very heavy metal outfit with, with neck chains and dog collars to a Halloween event. And I think maybe I went a little too far, you know, beyond the cultural norms on that one. <laughs> Who would play you in the movie of your life? Uh, Clint Eastwood, you know, kind mm. of a gritty, kind yeah, of a gritty yeah. guy. And uh, yeah, I can see you that. know, once in a while people will say, oh, you look a little like him. I think it's yeah. a compliment. Yeah, now we can see that, I think. Okay, what's your least uh, appealing feature? Oh, I'm a work fanatic. Um, you know, I really like I like my work. I like uh, getting a lot of things done. Um, family issues sometimes. What would your partner say is your least appealing feature? Work fanatic. Well, <laughs> work maniac. <laughs> where, where are you most lazy in your life? You know, I really like to uh, hit the snooze alarm two or three times in the morning. You know, I just think that's just uh, super luxurious to, uh, you know, doze off for two or three times in the morning. So that's, that'd be it. Have you ever stolen paper from the office? <laughs> um, I certainly bring paper. <laughs> I, I bring paper home, but unfortunately, it's all put it to work on work. So since I'm a work fanatic, that paper all gets put to work. So, um <laughs> You know, I, I guess you could call it stealing, but it's, you know, it, it, goes, it goes into the company project. Okay, okay. Are you paid too much, Andy? <laughs> um, yikes. Um, <laughs> I, I, think I'm, I think I'm doing okay, especially when I see what, uh, you know, I look at senior executives and I go, okay, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm getting paid at a fair level. Okay. Here we go then, Ashley. Um, what was the biggest lie you've ever told at work? I know everything's going to be okay. Where do you feel most vulnerable? Uh, definitely my tummy, especially since COVID. <laughs> what's <laughs> what's the, the personal development topic you most avoid confronting? I think it is probably vulnerability, frankly. When was the last time you took the marshmallow? <laughs> uh, probably last month. Yeah. Okay. So maybe I should have asked that question differently. What? What? Did, what sort of marshmallow was it? <laughs> <laughs> um. This. This sort of. I'm trying to keep these into in the spirit of the exercise. Quick. Quick. Quick answers. It was. It was a. Um, 
it was credit for a very multifaceted project that I could have, I could have certainly spread the love around a little bit more than I did. Who would play you in the movie of your life? Uh, obviously Matt Damon. <laughs> what would your friends say is your least appealing quality or feature? Probably also my tummy. But uh, maybe my smell, my odor. I'm odorous. <laughs> uh, that's also not true. I, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe, it's, maybe I can be a bit frenetic sometimes. I think I could be exhausting. Yeah. We, we, yeah. Um, okay. So, <laughs> so maybe, was that the right? Is that the right direction? I don't uh, know what made me laugh about that. I was just thinking <laughs> this has been one of the densest interviews we've ever done <laughs> in terms of compacting ideas into it. So I can I can relate to that. So that was a bit leaking from me. Um, so um, what's the 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 thing that would most improve your life, Ashley? I've often thought if I could actually honestly to my spine believe even for five minutes a day, that everything was just going to be okay, it would change who I am. What's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done at work? It's probably been forgetting the names of people that I work with on a regular basis, just because I'm anxious about a presentation or um, some, some context I'm in. It's embarrassing to me, like existentially, because I know their name and it's so demeaning and it doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's just checks that I'm, my focus is in the wrong place. What's the last question you were asked that truly stopped you in your tracks? What do you want? I'm really good at what do we need to do here. Um, I'm really good at where should we steer X, Y, or Z? What are the risks? What's the rewards? What's the ratios? When somebody with a, with a capital Y says, what do you want? Like, why are you doing all of this? That's a really hard one. And um, I know it's not a very profound one, but it almost always stops me in my tracks because it's troubling that I can't come up with a quicker answer. Okay, <laughs> here we go, Sally. So what's the biggest lie you've told at work? I don't have a view on that because I always have a view on that. <laughs> Can people tell in your face? <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, the, I suppose, a supplementary question. Have you got a good poker face? I don't think I have, but interestingly, somebody told me I did today. So that was a surprising bit of news. Oh, well, there you go. So where mm. do you feel most vulnerable at work? Uh, definitely on the tennis court. Oh, yeah, that's a pretty big uh, thing you have to step up to, don't you? The good oh, news excellent. is the All England Club didn't need any more good tennis players when they were looking for a chief executive, which is frankly. <laughs> What's the personal development topic you most avoid confronting? There's probably a couple, but I think top of the list would be my be perfect driver. That's like those interview things where people say, um, you know, what's your greatest weakness? Well, I perfectionism. <laughs> I'm too perfect. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so so someone put... once said to me, don't let perfection be the enemy of great. So we're gonna have to push you on we're gonna have to push you on a second, you know, what what what's the what's the other topic that you avoid? Because once you're forced into going to your second down, we'll get something juicy. Um it would probably be sometimes my challenge with empowering people. 
possibly a bit related to my be perfect driver. Okay. Mm. So who's going to play you in the movie of your life? It's very hard to ask that question without sort of sounding quite conceited, I think. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> no, no, you want it. You want aspirational. You want to have the someone the amazing. Well, yeah. so someone amazing. Sigourney Weaver, I think, is amazing, and I think pretty cool. So I think I think Sigourney Weaver would probably be my pick. But no one's ever going to make a movie of my life, so we're safe here. And so we she. Know, we don't know that for sure yet, do we? So <laughs> it's all to play for. Um, who, who would your partner? <laughs> my producer's giving me a lot of shaking heads here. Um, I'm, I'm, being, I'm obviously being far too cheeky. So, who, who, <laughs> what would your partner say is your least appealing feature? Well, uh, there was a few, um, but we alighted on my slight obsession with table manners, with good okay. table manners. And anything specific Perfection. you want to anything specific you want to hone in on? Well, it largely involves having two ten-year-old, uh, ten-year-old twin boy stepsons. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. Enough so said. it's a whole range yep. of it's a whole range of table manner issues. Okay, <laughs> it probably doesn't stop at the table. <laughs> well, no, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> so, so, where are you, Sally? Most lazy in your life. I'm not lazy, you know, on the list, you know, so on the list of my worst features uh, from my partner, one of them was, I just do not know how to stop. Um, and it's frustrating. And so I, I just, I'm not very good at being lazy, uh, which is a terrible answer, but I'm poor at it. Okay. No, well, that's, that's interesting. So what was the last question that stopped you in your tracks? It would have been, um, so as a woman... What do you intend to do differently in this role? <laughs> oh, it, was really? a, it was a moment for the poker face. Well, you couldn't have really answered that question in any other way. I mean, that, that part as a woman is kind of completely irrelevant, isn't it? But, yeah. Like, well, like, yes. if I was a man, I would probably take it on a different path. But <laughs> So how did you answer that? I'm really interested. Me too. If I remember correctly, I said, I think I said, um, I'm I'm not sure that as a woman I will do anything particularly differently, but this is what I intend to do. Uh, But but through my head, we're running several other options uh, as answers to that question. (laughs) And it definitely did stop me in my tracks. Oh, excellent. Are you paid too much? I don't think so, but others probably would have a view. It's a tough one, that one. Really tough one. Those were all so good. I think over the holiday break, for me, I might uh, think of some new vulnerable interview questions for some future guests. And I'll probably be adding in questions about how people feel when they spend time with their in-laws or uh, (laughs) what they do when their uh, partner gives them a present that they hate. Hmm. Um, Just to put another point, just to put a fine point on normalizing vulnerability, if I may. A while back, Kellogg School of Management published research that embarrassment can lead to creativity. So when participants in the study shared an embarrassing moment before a brainstorming session, they came up with both a larger number and wider range of ideas 
than those who shared a memory that made them feel proud. So what they found is that sharing an embarrassing story removes the barrier of self-censorship. And when you're brainstorming, you're wanting people to throw out ideas without any concern about being evaluated or feeling judged. So vulnerability and transparency then leads to greater trust, as I was saying earlier, creativity, and ultimately greater team success. So well, that's I wanted to put a fine point on that vulnerability point. John, is there other lessons you're taking with you? Well, just before I go on to that, I, I think that's a great tip um, to help free up people in brainstorming. So thanks for sharing that, Scott. Um, yeah, I think there are many lessons from this year, but it's really difficult to narrow them down. I think we've listed out some very important ones, but the one I'd add is about optimism and the importance of that. Hmm. Tell me why. Well, I mean, fear has dominated so much of the discourse, both at a political and societal level. And, you know, I think at those points in, in time when you look back in history and societies have managed to pull out on the nosedive of despair, it's hope and optimism that energize people and allow them to take them out of a very dark place to be creative, to pull together and to solve those problems together. And that, so I think optimism is essential for, for the future. I'm really glad you brought this one up. Um, many may not know this, but optimism is both a product of and contributor toward a high emotional intelligence score. So when our emotional intelligence, our, our radical self-awareness and, and all of the other elements that comprise emotional intelligence, when that goes up, we naturally begin to feel more optimistic. And when we become more optimistic, we wind up making gains in other areas of emotional intelligence that we're not even focused on at the moment. So if you're struggling to feel optimistic at the moment, given all of these ongoing difficult realities facing our world, one strategy for recapturing your sense of optimism would be to focus on investing and developing your emotional intelligence profile. That makes a lot of sense to me. And something that ties into much of what we've been talking about, which will help cultivate and support a mindset of optimism, is also, maybe it's a bit counterintuitive, but learning when to kill ideas that aren't working. If we become fixated on pushing something forward that's failing without pivoting, then we'll eventually grow disheartened, frustrated and cynical, and we'll tell ourselves that it wasn't us. Hmm. In season two of The Evolving Leader, um, we're speaking with, Professor Stuart Feistein, who's written a book about uh, failure. He's a neuroscientist. Um, what's good failure? What's bad failure? How we can fail better? All of which helps us to get where we need to go and keep us optimistic about the future. Yeah, our time with Professor Feistein was so rewarding. I, I learned so much from him and just loved that conversation. Mm. Uh, so I can't wait to release that episode in season two. When is that? January 21st. Wow. Okay. 2021, which is around the corner. Crazy. We get we get a little bit of a break. Yeah. Small one. I don't let you I don't let you have too much holiday time. Well, you're American. You don't have much holidays. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. So let me sum up our five must take forward lessons from 2020. So what I remember you saying and what I think I remember myself saying, understand our emotional state changes and their impact. Thinking about disruption differently. There is no new normal. There's only new. And what opportunities do those present? 
our commitment to deep accountability in the face of uncertainty, normalizing vulnerability, and what was the last one? Cultivating optimism. Anything else we should add to that list? No, I think you've got more. Okay. Well, I've just two more things before we wrap up then. If you've enjoyed season one of The Evolving Leader, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Evolving Leader and on LinkedIn as well to stay updated on the show. Um, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if that's your platform of choice. And the second thing I have before we go is, John, you've put so many of our guests in the hot seat uh, with this season with the uh, vulnerable interview questions. I am going to turn the table on you. <laughs> oh, thanks. You can't, you, can't, you can't ask people to be vulnerable if you're not willing to be vulnerable yourself. Okay, right? well, that, that's fair enough, but as long as you do it next show, next season. Okay, you got it. Okay. You give me plenty of time to prepare my vulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so John, here we go. What was the biggest lie you've told at work? Of course we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you've said that to me. <laughs> What do you, uh, where do you feel most vulnerable at work? Well, it's just we really count on that first one. Uh, uh, when I say that, it doesn't mean I'm always lying. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> just, just clarify that for all my clients out there. <laughs> okay. Where do you feel most vulnerable at work? When I'm not trusted. Hmm. What's the personal development topic you most avoid confronting? Learning a new language. Hmm. I can't wait to hear this one. Who would play you in the movie of your life? Um, late stage Nicolas Cage. I could see that. <laughs> sort of. <That> <laughs> Obviously a shorter version. <laughs> what would your children say is your least appealing feature? Um, I think having uh, the TV on too loud, because obviously I'm going deaf, oh, and music. And leaving books around the house on every surface. Mm. Where are you most lazy in your life? Um, getting rid of stuff. Hoard, I hoard things. I've got mm. you know, 40,000 books in my life. Some need to go. Uh, what was the last question that stopped you in your tracks? Um, oh. This one? Probably, yeah. I've always got an answer for everything. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not uh, a good thing. Which is not a good thing. So I'll have to come back to you on that one. Okay, fair enough. And finally, the question that I think makes most people cringe in their seats, although our guest took this in stride really well, like all the other ones. Are you paid too much? Definitely not. Awesome. Well, John, you can ask me if uh, I've ever stolen paper from the office. What's your office? I know, but <laughs> ask me anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, have you ever stolen paper from the office, John? Yes, every week. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to miss And this. post-it notes, computers, t tables, <laughs> the fridge. I, I, thought, I thought when I was talking to you in your Zoom in your house that a lot of that furniture and stuff looked yeah, very familiar. Very familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to miss this over the next few weeks, um, but please do enjoy some well-deserved rest, uh, quit stealing things over the holidays, and uh, please give my love to your family. 
Oh, thank you, Scott. And to you and your wonderful family too. Get some rest and reconnection going. And thank you for being a brilliant co-host. We've um, we've run an experimental podcast and I feel the experiment has been great and I look forward to working on evolving the Evolving Leader Show with you in 2021. Mm, as do I. All right, well, as always, remember, the world is evolving. Are you? Are you?